Good morning. Uh, the reading <coughs> this morning is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1 and verses 5 to 25. Now in this account, I'm the old man. It's this very old man. And behind, beside me is the wonderful angel Gabriel. <laughs> he looks angelic, doesn't he? <laughs> so we're going to read this, this account. The birth of John the Baptist foretold. <clears throat> In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense, came all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before, the, before children and the disobedient, before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient, to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but was unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home and this his wife and then his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this to me, she said. In these days he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. Thanks be to God for his word to us this morning. Chris, come up with a prayer. 
Chris. Father, we pray for Chris this morning. We pray your spirit will fill him, that his words will give us more understanding of this wonderful time of Advent when uh, we look forward to the light coming into the world. Mm. So we lift him to you, Lord, and may you give him strength and courage and wisdom as he speaks your words. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you both. Thank you. Loving, loving the duo, uh, yeah, going on there. I'm loving that. So, over the next few weeks, we will be looking at the theme of waiting through some of the characters we see in the Christmas story. And this week, we're looking at Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were described as getting on in years which is a polite way of saying they were old. How many of us this morning feel like seniors? Hands up if you feel like a senior. Ah, there we go, there we go. But we're also told that both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Hands up if you're feeling righteous this morning. Yes, Jenny. Jenny put her hand up. Excellent. Well, of course, we are in Jesus Christ, aren't we? So that was a trick question there. You missed that opportunity. Um, but in other words, with Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were people of faith. Because righteousness is always accredited to those who have faith in God. Hebrews tells us that without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I want you to hold that in mind as we consider the next part of the story. Now Zechariah the priest was on duty and he was chosen by Lot to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. As he does this, angel Gabriel appears out of nowhere, and we saw him this morning. Very, very glorious and uh, majestic. And Gabriel appears there out of nowhere, and Zechariah is understandably gripped with fear at this supernatural sight. And Gabriel's first words to Zechariah, do you remember what they were? They were, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Now it is said that the phrase, do not be afraid, is the most common phrase in the Bible. And it's mentioned at least 365 times. Which, if you think about it, is one for every day of the year. It's good to hear these words on a daily basis because we can so easily find ourselves captive to fear about so many things on a daily basis. Yet God's good news to Zechariah and to us all is that we need not fear because God is with us and is at work in our lives. 
Gabriel shares with Zechariah the wonderful news that after all these years of waiting and waiting and praying and praying and probably fasting and fasting, his prayer has been heard and God is finally going to give them a child. And not just any child, but John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for Jesus, God's own son. This was everything they had ever dreamed of and much, much more. Have you ever noticed that with God, that sometimes when you're praying for something specific and eventually he may give that to you, but he doesn't just give that to you, he gives you even more. It's that cup that overflows. It's that generosity of spirit that we see at work in God. But what's Zechariah's response to this wonderful news? Well, it's not praise and jubilation, is it? It's disbelief. He essentially says, what? Surely this cannot happen. Elizabeth and I are way too old for that. This would have been a much more realistic prospect when we were younger and we had more energy, when the rest of our friends were also having babies, when we actually wanted to have a child. But we're way too old for this to happen now. It's not possible. And as we know, Gabriel is not a happy bunny with this response. And he silences him until the baby is due. What a gift to have. I mean, if you could silence someone, let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> On the top five for your supernatural gifts, maybe. Gabriel silences him until the baby is due. And then you have this humorous image of Zechariah trying to tell everyone outside the temple what happened. It's like a game of charades at Christmas, yeah? You can just imagine Zechariah coming out and, and he's shaking and everyone's like, what's up with Zechariah? And then he's like... <laughs> and they're just going, whoa, something's happened in there. What is going on? Now, Gabriel's actions towards Zechariah, they may have seemed a little bit harsh. Um, but Zechariah was described as a man of faith. And as we are reminded from the verse that we heard earlier from Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek for him. How long had Zechariah and Elizabeth been earnestly seeking the Lord? How long had they been hoping and waiting for a child? Wasn't it something they desperately longed for? Had they given up believing that God would do this as old age set in? How about you? Have you been praying for something for a long time, but you've not yet seen it realized? How long do you continue to pray for 
when nothing seems to be happening? How long do you give God a chance before you give up asking? We're going to have a little video clip now from the prayer course. Uh, Many of you did the prayer course with us a few years ago, and this is a clip from the session on petition, asking God um, what we desire. And so we're just going to play that clip now for you. Jesus. So pray with others, pray incrementally, pray the promise of God, and finally pray consistently about things. Uh, We're not really good at this, are we? But don't just pray once or twice. Keep keep stacking dominoes. That's what these dominoes are here for. Sometimes, you know, because Jesus told stories to say that we must always pray and not give up. And maybe you could paraphrase it. He was saying, keep, like, praying the same prayer you've prayed again, like another domino just goes up. And then one day, you pray that prayer you've prayed a million times before. The whole lot comes down. And it's not because you just suddenly got the right technique. It's because you didn't give up praying one prayer too soon. So should we try this? Let's do it. Here we go. So sometimes it's like that. You just keep stacking dominoes, you keep praying the same prayers, and eventually you get the breakthrough that you've been looking for. There's a lovely story about Queen Bertha of Kent, way back in the sixth century here in England. She was a Christian, but her husband wasn't. He was a pagan king, often the way that the wife gets saved first. And being a nice kind of a husband, he decided to build a chapel, uh, a prayer room for his wife, so she could go off and do her church stuff. (laughs) And she went to this prayer room every single day. And what she did in there was she prayed for her husband to come to know Jesus, for Ethelbert to get saved. It took 17 years praying in that chapel until God dramatically answered her prayers. Because in 597 AD, a bunch of monks from Rome came to England and they preached the gospel. And not only did Ethelbert finally get saved through their mission, but out of that part of England, a massive mission was launched throughout the country and thousands turned to Christ. And the reason that Canterbury Cathedral was built by one of those monks on Ethelbert's land is because that is where his wife had been praying all those years. The heart of Anglicanism around the world to this day goes back to a wife who prayed for her husband. She kept stacking dominoes. See, Bertha, I suppose, thought she was just praying for her husband. But in fact, she was praying for a nation and for generations to come. It took 17 years of praying, but we are still feeling the consequences 1,400 years later. Some of you may remember that story um, from the prayer course, and it's a wonderful story. And... um, It's about sometimes persevering in prayer, isn't it? Stacking those dominoes, those prayers, one by one, day after day after day after day. Um, What I loved about Emma sharing about the box for prayer is that she was like like that, um, that widow that nags. And uh, she just kept on persistently saying, Dad, when can I do this box? Dad, when are we going to do the box? Dad, can I tell you about this box today? When am I going to make it? When can I say about the box? Um, But she believes in the power of prayer and she really wanted 
to, to encourage us to pray. And that persistence, that nag, nag, nag. That's why we've got a dog, you know, because for four years they just nagged and they nagged and they nagged and they nagged. And eventually I was like, all right. Uh, anyway. But this is what we see in uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth's story. They were praying for a child for years. And at the last hour, God eventually gave them this. A son for Zechariah, someone to carry on the family name. A child at last for Elizabeth, who would now no longer suffer the shame from the other mothers. Though I'm sure they would have plenty to say about what took place. Just like with Queen Bertha that Pete mentioned in the video, God hears their cry and meets their needs. But it goes beyond this to fulfill the great promises that God has made through the prophets to his people Israel. This child was not just any child, but someone who had been set apart from birth to draw many people back to God, to make them ready to meet their long-awaited Messiah, King Jesus. This, as we said, was everything they dreamed of and much, much more. Though our prayers may focus on our immediate concerns and worries and desires, God always has the bigger picture in mind. The needs, the hopes, the fears of ordinary people are not forgotten in the larger story of God because he is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. By his grace, our prayers, our involvement with him can become the catalysts for God's larger purposes and plans being fulfilled. The theologian Tom Wright comments that God regularly works through ordinary people, doing what they normally do, who with a mixture of half faith and devotion are holding themselves ready for whatever God has in mind. All that said, we can, can't we, understand why Zechariah may have thought that the dream of having children was long past its sell-by date. But Zechariah, as we've said before, was a priest. His job was to encourage people to have faith in God. And he himself was deemed a righteous man who lived by faith. Yet, in this remarkable event, when he actually comes face to face with Gabriel and all that he ever wanted, his faith in God seems to diminish. And his focus becomes upon himself and his limitations rather than God who can do immeasurably more than all he could ever ask or imagine. But if we're being really honest today, don't we all do this? Isn't this human nature? Isn't our natural default to focus on our limitations or to feel overwhelmed by the situation 
we face. Thinking it will never change. It is what it is, we say with a sigh. We tend to look at things very rationally. And over time, we can become a little bit despondent and jaded. And if I'm being honest, I think like many of you here today, to hear these testimonies is wonderful. But it's hard when you hear a story like this and you say, but what about me? I've been praying. I've been stacking dominoes. I've been desiring this, that and the other for so long. And I have not seen it come to pass. I'm aware that there are many of us here today who are feeling that. And you may remember me speaking um, in August after we'd come back from holiday that I've been wrestling with something um, in prayer for some time now, most of this year, um, and desperately wanting to see God break through and just feeling so despondent at times. I'm like, I keep praying, I keep asking you to step in, but you haven't. Why are you not helping? Why are you not stepping in? I believe you're there. I believe you reward those who earnestly seek you, but why are you not intervening here? And you may remember that I shared um, that image that God gave me where I was walking and I was storming down the beach and the sun was on my face and then suddenly that sun went in and I said, yeah, that's about right. That, that fits the mood. And as I looked up, I felt God say, look, Chris, the cloud is there, yes, but the sun is still shining. And in a moment, that cloud will pass and our sun will shine on you again. Some of us may have felt that that cloud has lasted a lifetime. But the sun will shine again. In fact, the sun is shining and the shadows prove there's sunshine. You see, faith is countercultural. It's choosing to believe in God even when we can't see the evidence. When we can't see any of his presence or his provision. Faith is about choosing to fix our eyes on God. On his living word, his character and his promises. And trusting them to be true despite what we are facing. And then that is no small thing. But it's why I wanted to do the series on God's character and nature this term. Because it's so important that we know who our God is and that we remember who he is. It's about choosing to remember those times when God rescued us and provided for us in the past and choosing to believe that God will do it again. God wants to soften our hard and jaded hearts. He wants to revive our weary souls. Like with Zechariah, God wants to remind us that all the prayers you have prayed have not fallen on deaf ears. They have not. 
but God has heard each one and he cares deeply for you. He wants to remind us that he is the God who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. On my, in my office where I, I work, where I typing, typing all this up, preparing for meetings, dealing with stuff. I have a plaque on my wall and it's a plaque that quotes Matthew 19.26 where Jesus says, with God all things are possible. And I love having that plaque on the wall because as I said, so often we get so consumed with the immediate, we get so consumed with what's rational, what's possible according to our understanding and every now and then I glance up at it and I say no come on Chris have faith step out be bold for the Lord your God is with you and he can do more than we ask or imagine for Zechariah that meant being silenced for the duration of the pregnancy such an act will have forced Zechariah to meditate on what had just taken place. And as Elizabeth conceives and the baby grows, so does Zechariah's faith. So much so that when the baby is born and God finally releases Zechariah's tongue, he prophesies over baby John in the power of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps there is something for us to learn here. How often in prayer do we close our mouths and listen? How much time do we give to silently meditating on God's word, his character and his promises to us? Our prayer life can be often one way. With us treating God a bit like Santa giving him our daily wish list and then grumbling when we don't get what we want straight away. But we're encouraged in scripture to be still and to know that he is God. To be quick to listen and slow to speak. Are we interested in hearing what God has to say? what he wants for us. Do we believe that God knows what's best for us? Do we trust that he knows what's best for us? Then we need to make space and time to be quiet and wait on him. Now this is not something, as we've said before, that comes naturally to most of us. But Advent, well, that's a good time to have a go. It's something all of us can do despite our age or ability. And when we do this, when we take time to still ourselves and wait on God, the emphasis is slowly taken off us and what we can do or what we can say 
and is instead put on God and what he wants to say to us, what he wants to do for us and what he wants to do through us. The story of Zechariah is a truly human story about life's challenges and hopes. But it's also a story that shows God's tenderness, love and faithfulness towards his people, both intimately on the small scale, but also on the larger scale. Gabriel declares to Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. What prayer has been on your heart for a long time for which you have longed to hear these words? What does your heart ache for? And if you're being really honest with yourself, have you given up asking God? Have you resigned yourself to the thought that it's never going to happen? George Muller, the great 19th century pastor who cared for 10,000 orphans and started 117 schools, was certainly someone who learned how to persevere in prayer. Now, these next figures, I'm not sure how they were calculated, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because these are the facts, apparently. Of 50,000 answers to prayer, that's quite an amazing achievement in itself, 50,000 answers to prayer catalogued in his lifetime. Just 5,000 came instantly on the day he asked for them. I think many of us would be happy with a handful, wouldn't we? But 5,000 came instantly on the day he asked for them. But the emphasis is here. In other words, 45,000 of Muller's miracles, 90% of his requests, required significant perseverance in prayer. One man whom Muller consistently prayed for took 63 years to surrender his life to Jesus Christ. And after a lifetime of persevering in prayer, Muller said this, and perhaps we need to hear this today. Don't let yesterday's seemingly unanswered prayers stop you praying in faith today. That was Zechariah's testimony. That faith in God comes out of our relationship with him, of remembering and experiencing who he is, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Of remembering that his love and goodness chase after us all the days of our lives, even when it doesn't feel like it even when we are walking through the darkest of valleys. Perhaps it's time to come back to God with those seemingly unanswered prayers. To return to him and to put our hope and trust in him once again. 
to trust and believe in his character, his word, his promises towards us. For he is fully committed to us. So we're going we're gonna to pray in just a moment. But before we do, I just want to give room for just a moment of silence. I know that this is an emotive sermon this morning. It's emotive because it's real. It's what we experience as people, the highs and the lows. And many of us will have great testimonies of God coming through for us and giving us even more than we asked or imagined. And there will be some of us who are carrying a heavy heart this morning who have been stacking dominoes for some time and yet they have not seen God deliver. So let's just have a moment of silence before we pray together. God our Father, who has promised new life to those who have no hope, as you promised a son to this old couple who are beyond hoping, grant us grace to listen, to trust, and to set our hopes on the gospel you speak to us, that we may live by faith and not by sight, for Jesus' sake. Amen.